0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Spilko, alongside Lauren Roche today. No Sam Ostry today, we are going to miss Sam very much on today's podcast, but For now, it's just going to be Lauren and I talking about the Maryland men's basketball team, which has finally strung together some wins, Lauren. It's been a while since Maryland has won four out of its last five games, and all of a sudden, they're on a hot streak heading into March. They're doing a lot better than they were. They're back at the 500 mark for the first time in a long time. They played three games since our last podcast. Uh, They've most recently won two out of three wins over Ohio State and Minnesota since our last pod and they just lost to Indiana a week ago as well. They have a 7-12 and Big Ten record, and they're slowly creeping up the Big Ten standings as well. I mean, the Terps are all of a sudden in that race, and they might be the front runner for that 10th spot among the three Big Ten teams that have a chance to get it in Northwestern, Penn State, and Maryland. Uh, lots of things to talk about, lots of potential tiebreakers, but right now Maryland's in a decent spot to get that first-round bye in the Big Ten tournament, which we will be attending, and that starts next week. On Wednesday on the ninth. So Maryland's gonna to try to play itself out of that. So, Lauren, let me bring you in here. Maryland may just very well be playing its best basketball of the season. Four wins in the last five games, a win over Ohio State at home, a win on senior night against Minnesota. That looked pretty convincing in the second half. Is this the best stretch that Maryland has played all season?
1: Absolutely. I would say that. After that Indiana uh, – excuse me, that Iowa game where Iowa came in and put up all those points, three-pointers from everywhere, literally everywhere in that game, 110 points, seems like Maryland had a little bit of a wake-up call almost or just a little bit of a moment where that was – they've spoken about it a few times. Most of their losses have actually been pretty close or they've stayed with it up until a certain point and then kind of lose it. This Iowa game, they really ended up getting like blown out there at the end. And so, I think that that game seemed to have been a little bit of a turning point or a wake up call. Um, not counted in the stretch of games like winning four at the last five, but then they go into um, West Lafayette to play Purdue, who was the number three team in the country then. Definitely put up a fight there, and you could, even though they didn't win, I think that game really felt like a turning point game for them. And just they played really good basketball against Purdue. I mean, they stuck with them. I. I personally wasn't expecting necessarily that especially after the Iowa game but since I've seen their performance in Purdue I really do expect them to kind of like stick with most teams and like I mean I said it last week on the podcast I thought that they were going originally that they were going to either beat Indiana or Ohio State but in that moment after they were on that two-game win streak I thought it could have been Indiana but after they didn't um, win against Indiana I was relatively confident that they would be able to beat Ohio State I just felt like really the momentum's in their favor. And we talked about them having nothing to lose. And it's like, they kind of, like, for them now, they're playing toward a new goal. Maybe it wasn't the goal at the beginning of the season, but now they're playing to get that bye in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. And I think Pats Russell was talking about it yesterday. It's really hard to play five games in five days in that tournament. So for them, they're trying to set themselves in the best position to maybe stir the pot a little bit in Indianapolis. And the best way for them to do that is just kind of keep playing how they're playing now.
0: Right. And I feel like when Maryland was losing earlier in the season and it was approaching that stretch against it was after that Rutgers went on the road and they were going to play Indiana and number 13 Michigan State it was going to be a really a really difficult stretch of games and then they kind of just kept losing at that point they went on this five game losing streak season high losing streak heading into that really brutal Iowa loss in which they gave up 110 points um it was, just, it was just a really brutal stretch, and it's almost like – I think it's easy to forget about the conference tournament and to only think about the NCAA tournament, especially midseason, because, at that, because obviously the NCAA tournament is the end goal for a college basketball season, and, and I don't really think it's hit Maryland that it really had a shot to go and chase that four seed or chase out of the, the bottom four of, for the Big Ten tournament. And with this recent stretch, I think it's really become a reality. And I think you really see it ever since that Iowa game. And I, I just wanted to point that one out. Do you think that one was kind of the turning point for all of this? Because after that, after giving up 110 points in which Bohannon and uh, Jordan Bohannon and uh, Keegan Murray were just raining down threes, I think they combined for 60 in that game. You, you know, 110 points in your home court in, in its own right is, is pretty embarrassing. And then for Maryland to just lose by one to Purdue on the road and then to rattle off four of its next five games and make them wins, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Does that really all date back to that Iowa game?
1: I think yes, because really the big problem is that the shots were just falling for Iowa, and Maryland could do nothing defensively to kind of stifle that. And since then, Maryland's defense has really picked it up a little bit. Like, In addition, Fats Russell has just – we'll talk about it I'm sure after but like has just skyrocketed into what his potential everybody kind of knew it could be all season but I'd say like defense really picked up also there was a few games where um Hakeem Hart and Ian Martinez are picking up four steals a game and it was a stretch where they were everybody was just kind of doing what they were supposed to do defensively and we've definitely seen that I mean holding Ohio State to only 60 points and you know, before that, holding Purdue to the only whatever it was, sixty-two, even though they lost. So, I think just like continuing to not only they kind of always have had this fight throughout the season. I think that there was definitely a bit of a lull during that losing streak that you were talking about going into Nebraska, but it wasn't or going into Iowa, but it wasn't quite so much a lapse of energy, but rather just a really challenging stretch in their schedule. And I think that now the ener, the Um, Kind of like the talent that they're playing at, the talent level that they're playing at has been there all season, but they finally have kind of unlocked that a little bit. And I do think it comes from that Iowa game. I don't think that they were very happy after that. I think that first Iowa game, um, Keegan Murray really had quite a game. We spoke about it then, but Maryland could have had that one. It was kind of an opportunity for Maryland to start this season or start conference play outside of um, that Northwestern game, but start conference play one and one and they weren't able to kind of pick that up and maybe it wasn't Keegan Murray who beat them the second time but I think it was it seemed like it was very challenging for them to kind of let that big of a loss happen on their home court so I definitely think that that plays into all this
0: yeah so both Iowa games clearly big turning points in the season for Maryland and then if you just look at this recent stretch of games let's we can th- we can start talking about the the last three games since our last podcast, and the one that we recorded the day of was the one against Indiana, and obviously that's uh, pretty not newsworthy anymore. It's about a, about a week ago, exactly, but we can briefly go over it. It was just a pretty lackluster performance overall for Maryland. Uh, it was a 10-point loss on the road, 74-64 to 64 in Bloomington. I mean, the Terps came out slow against the Hoosiers, and they simply never recovered, they ended up shooting 43% from the floor. It snapped the Terps two-game losing streak. Uh, Fats Russell tried to lead the Terps to 23 points. Hakeem Hart and Dante Scott combined for 24. It just didn't seem that the the energy was really there for Maryland in that one compared to uh, what they showed in the wins over Nebraska and Penn State. But the, uh, there were time, and Indiana was a really slumping team, too, going into that game, and Indiana just suffered uh, – a terrible fate against Rutgers and they're probably going to be out of the NCAA tournament. But at the time they still were on the bubble and they had a chance And Indiana pulls off the win. I don't think many people expected Maryland to pull off that road upset. Is there, is there really anything to add besides that it was just a a, t- a typical road showing for Maryland? You know, it was, it was a pretty quiet game. I feel like.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that Nebraska and Penn state are just not as and this is not meant to sound disrespectful but are not as challenging opponents as indiana is and so i think even though that they had that momentum of like nearly beating purdue and beating nebraska and beating penn state like going to play a game at indiana tougher environment like night game for them there in bloomington like just a tougher match for maryland to kind of have i wonder if the games had been flipped i not that Maryland has had so much more luck at home this season. But I wonder if at that point in the season, if Maryland had been home, if it would have been more of a similar outcome to what Ohio State ended up being like. But I think it was just kind of a tough game for Maryland. Um, bats Russell looked good. It's kind of like in this midst of his big um, burst that he is going on. But just kind of set them up, I guess, to come back home and try and figure stuff out against these next two teams who they were able to pull off ones against.
0: Yeah, Indiana was really slumping. I think they deserve to be talked about just briefly here because if you think of, if you just look at Maryland's season in general, 7-12 and 12 in the conference, the fan base obviously a little disconnected from this season with the, the head coaching switch and whatnot. But Indiana, with Mike Woodson as a head coach, just nine conference wins right now, just not good. And I think they're on a drought, like an NCAA tournament drought of like five or six years. So I think Maryland fans can put that into a little perspective. Indiana, a very historic program, a, a, a ton of history with that team in Bloomington. And for them to just be two games ahead of this struggling Maryland team, I don't know, very surprising. So uh, Indiana struggles, but they ended up sweeping the season series with Maryland. Indiana beat Maryland earlier in the season in College Park, so they finished the season 2-0 and against the Terps. But surprisingly, after that Indiana game, Maryland found a, another spark. They, they started to play more like they did against Nebraska and Penn State. They were a little more upbeat coming into this game against Ohio State. And I think they caught a little luck with the schedule because Ohio State – so you look at like the senior night game and the Ohio State game, Obviously, senior night, you know the team is going to be playing hard for the seniors, and, you know, there's a whole emotional aspect to that. But this was also the last ranked home game that Maryland had. And coming off that frustrating Indiana loss, I think this, just the matchup in general against Ohio State opened the door for them to just go out and just do whatever, you know, one of those, you know, the season might be over, but we're just going to leave it all on the floor kind of games. And I think that's exactly what happened against Ohio State. and. I think Ohio State had lost a game coming into that game. I'm not entirely sure. However, I, I don't think they were at the top of their game at the time, and, and it definitely showed in that college park showing. Uh, it was. It ended up being a 75 to 60 win for Maryland against number 22 Ohio State. I believe it was the third ranked win over uh, third win over a ranked opponent this season. Uh, Illinois and Florida were earlier in the year. Just how surprising was it for Maryland to pull off that kind of upset after just having a, a road dud against Indiana.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that I really, and I, I think I've said this since this announcement was made, I really felt like they were going to win this game, even when they were playing at their lowest point. There's, it was the 2002 national championship honor team um, or they honor the 2002 national championship team. And, Something about that team is which makes sense, is very special to this Maryland program. And so, you knew that there was going to be a lot of fans there, you knew that there was going to be interactions between the old players, the 2002 players, and the current players. And you just knew that, like, there was going to be this sense of, like, not embarrassing, but yeah, not wanting to kind of like be embarrassed at home. So, I knew that they were going to fight throughout the whole game. And I do think Maryland has really come close to beating certain opponents this season and maybe even if it wasn't Ohio State the first time I feel like that first game that they played each other was a little bit um kind of a drag for Maryland but this second time around like I just think that it makes it doesn't surprise me because you know the talent is there Maryland's talent is there and when they're playing up to you know their actual skill level and what they can do and everyone's kind of having an on night we talked about this in the preseason I think that like Maryland doesn't need everybody to be a top scorer, but and like there's certain guys who don't need to have like a big night every night. But quite honestly, like when they all are, like Maryland is really hard to beat. And so I think we saw that against Ohio. And quite honestly, like having all those points coming from Fats Russell and Eric Ayala isn't surprising. They both have played well, but I think it's just it was kind of unusual this season for both of them to have really strong games at the same time. If I remember correctly, I wanna say there's only like two or three, like, really big games where they both played really well and had performances like that. So for Ayala to be coming off this wrist hand injury that he's been dealing with and, you know, score all those points, and for both of them to put together a, you know, a 50-something, 50-point performance is really something. And so Coach Manning said it the other day, but, like, it's really hard to beat a team when the backcourt, made up of two players, is putting up 50 points, like, putting up well over two-thirds of the – or. Um, excuse me, three fourths of the point So, I think that you know it doesn't surprise me. It's definitely an upset in the rankings. But when you think about it, in the preseason, Maryland was kind of supposed to be there. Like these are games that Maryland was going to compete in, and they've been playing up to that level. So, you know, after their performance at Purdue, nothing necessarily surprises me.
0: That's a good point. I th- I think after that Purdue performance, because I remember watching that Purdue game, and I was just sitting there. And Fats Russell and Maryland just kept hitting shots, and they just kept staying in the game. And it was unlike anything that we saw prior to that game. And I agree, since that game, it's really been just a really tight battle defensively for Maryland in a lot of these games. They really tightened up, uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And in this one against Ohio State, it was really the second half that stood out. Maryland went into the, the second half just up by four points. And to finish the entire game up by 15 against a ranked team means that it must have been a solid performance. And Maryland got great efforts from the backcourt duo of Fats Russell and Eric Ayala. They combined for 50 points. They scored 29 of Maryland's 43 second-half points. And Fats Russell went five for seven from three in the second half. As the season has gone along, I think that uh, interim head coach Danny Manning has really, uh, I, I guess, loosened the reins. On his top scorers, specifically Fats Russell, I don't think he's really I, – I think Fats Russell has a really long leash as to what he can do on the floor, and that's because of Maryland's lack of depth. And that's, that's not really a, a diss to, like, the Ian, Ian Martinez or Xavier Guerrero now. I think they, they've been playing better as of late, especially Ian Martinez. He's showing a lot more confidence. But Fats Russell has just – has one of probably the second longest leash besides Ayala on this team. And Fats Russell has really kind of exploded in the second half of the season. He's had these stretches where he's just scored 20 plus points game in, game out. And what, what have you seen from him differently in this last stretch? Because he just seems to be so He's been explosive all season, but now it's like explosiveness with purpose.
1: Yeah. I'm, I think about, again, it kind of comes back to this Purdue game. Purdue was the first game where I really felt like I kind of saw Fats Russell do exactly what we've seen flashes of all season. And in that game, Eric Ayala wasn't playing. And um, Fats Russell had to step in and kind of fill a little bit more of a void there. And, you know, not to say that he hasn't been playing just as well with with Ayala, because clearly he has. But I think that game is kind of like a moment where he realized, like, They were on a big national stage in a really tough place to play. Um, Eric Ayala, who is a leader on that team, isn't on the court. and, And a leader in every sense of the word, you know, like by leadership skills, but also a stat leader. And then you have Fats Russell, who really wants it. He has a really good relationship with Eric Ayala, or at least that's what he gives off as. And so I think that in that matchup, just wanting to, I guess, make kind of Eric Ayala proud in the sense, like I, that's really what I think about in that game is like he wanted to come out and kind of fill that void as best as he could and put on a performance where, you know, Eric Ayala really was, um, I guess, you know, where his presence of course was missed, but maybe not missed as much as it would have been had Fats not had that kind of night. And then I think since, you know, it kind of flipped a switch for him inside. And even with Ayala playing him, Ayala slowly now making more of an impact on the court since he was out in that game he's just really been able to go off and have himself performances that like, again, he was expected to, I I really truly think that when he was brought into Maryland, this was the expectation of what he was going to be able to do. And you think about how they talk about how dangerous they are right now. Think about how dangerous they would have been all season had Fats Russell kind of showcased this a little bit earlier. And it's not to say that it's his, like, it's not to put a blame on like a person that like something maybe didn't go the way that it did. It's more so just kind of the thought process of like, I think that the season has kind of taken a turn and there's new goals now. And if the goals aren't getting to the tournament right now, the goal is to get that by or to just kind of stir the pot here at the end, you know, muddy the waters, whatever the case may be. So I think that for Fats Russell, it's not like anything has particularly changed. It was just kind of like in that game, maybe he had to step up. And he realized how much of an impact and maybe coaching staff or the team or whatever it is, has kind of like, there's a little bit more trust even, it seems like, since those, in these last few games. Everybody knew he could do this, but there definitely is, and seems to be more of a trust and more of a trust, of, more of a trust in himself as well.
0: I think, and sort of building off that, I, I think this was the most intriguing game of Maryland season. Just, just when you just look at the opponent, You look at where they are in the season. You look at the scoreboard. And you look at how Maryland got to 75 points, and you see that that's Russell and Eric Ayala combined it for 50 in that game. I think that it really has to start – it has to make Danny Manning think. If you are beating a number 22 Ohio State at home by 15, just a few games before the postseason, all of a sudden, he has to start considering if that's the recipe for success for this Maryland team if you're just going like, to unleash Fats Russell and Eric Ayala offensively and you come up with a 15-point win against Ohio State, I think that – and he, I think the, the message has been the same from Danny Manning since he's come in as the head coach. He's been always reiterating that paint touches and getting into the bonus early are, is important whatnot. But I think it's, it needs – this team needs to be more of a backcourt team all of a sudden with how these two are playing. And if they, you said that they feed off each other, and that's completely true. They feed off each other every game, and it's almost – you can just see it by watching them. One of them hits a shot, and then another one, they just keep going. And they're that talented of players where they can feed off each other like that, and they can go on these hot shooting streaks. And to beat some of the Big Ten's best, they are going to have to be at their best. And I think that the recipe for success for Maryland is going to get the ball in those two guys' hands and let them operate and let them shoot as much as they want. And if they don't hit it, I, I think you just kind of shrug your shoulders and say okay, because I think Maryland has shown that the recipe for success against the top teams of the Big Ten is to let Eric Ayala and Fats Russell shoot.
1: Yeah, and I mean, something interesting that you brought up is also just kind of when in the season they're kind of catching fire. And I just kind of keep thinking about how um, – Excuse me, how um, I lost my train of thought, but oh, how yesterday after the game, Eric Ayala was talking about how before the game he was looking at their schedule for the, everything that they've done this season, and that a lot of these losses were a couple of points, basket or two, whatever the case may be. And he talked about, and Pat's talked about it yesterday also, how he went into a huddle yesterday, and even though Minnesota is kind of looking ahead a little bit, but even though Minnesota maybe isn't as tough as an opponent as Ohio state is kind of went into that um, huddle and talked about how they weren't going to let that happen again, how, you know, Jameson Battle and the rest of um, Minnesota was definitely putting up a fight, but how they weren't going to let it happen. And so you have to think like the combination between talent picking up at the right time, leadership skills at an all-time high for all these seniors. And definitely Dante Scott has always talked about as a leader as well. So all of these upperclassmen, but then also, Eric Ayala always talks about, you know, his best memories being like um, from that 2020 or the yeah the 2020 season when they won the Big Ten title in the regular season. So you have to think that like headed into this tournament, he kind of has a taste of that from the regular season. And knowing how they've already been beaten by a bunch of these teams by only one basket, it kind of makes you think about what they can do going forward. And I agree. I think the sky kind of is the limit when... Um, Bats Russell and Eric Ayala are playing as well as they have been and the ball is moving through them but I also think like the other players have shined in return when they're playing well other players are doing well attention is taken off them a little bit I feel like Q has had a couple stronger performances recently he's gotten off to stronger starts when Julian comes in gets into a little bit of foul trouble but again when they're not running the ball so much like through the post those players are able to do a little bit more there's less attention on them even for teams who have. Um, some of these better bigs in the conference, I think that that might pose a little bit of trouble for Maryland, especially depending on who they're playing in the tournament. But I think that when the ball is run through Maryland's backcourt and they're playing well, everyone is doing better in return.
0: Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I think that's exactly the the reasoning behind Maryland's recent success. The the offensive play is completely running through the backcourt, and Maryland is reaping the rewards from. Letting that happen. So just to round out that Ohio State game, Ohio State was just held to 36% shooting. They shot eight for twenty, eight from three, good enough for just twenty-nine percent. E. J. Liddell, who's one of the best players in the nation, easily one of the best in the Big Ten. Three for ten shooting, just eleven points. Branham, just thirteen points on four for thirteen shooting. And Ohio State ended with two more turnovers than Maryland. So Maryland came out after that Ohio State win. They had a few days break between their game against Minnesota, which happened to be senior night in College Park for both the journalists and players alike. And Maryland's honored four seniors before the game, Xavier Green, Eric Ayala, Fats Russell, and transfer Simon Wright. The the first half was a scoring one, and it was a very high-scoring one. I mean, I forgot to add the word high before scoring. So it was a very high-scoring one in the first half, and Maryland took a four-point lead into the break, but then Maryland really broke out in that second half. They, uh, even as the Golden Gophers started to creep back, which we will get to soon, Maryland ended up outscoring Minnesota 43-36 to 36 to take the win in front of the home crowd. What are some of your initial takeaways from the win? And then I'll share some of mine.
1: Um, I do think that this is a game that I was expecting Maryland to win, but while it was being played, and things were getting close. My biggest takeaway is Marilyn really didn't fold, and not that I was quite expecting them to, because I think they've been in the stretch. But I wonder if this game was kind of stuck in that whole losing streak. If Marilyn would have been able to find the win, but I think that realistically, Jameson Battle played incredible, incredibly. He was a lot of fun to watch, and I mean, he was just kind of unguardable. Pat um, Russell was talking about it last night, but he was making shots over hands, over two people's hands from absurd angles, and you know, they let him get hot and he was definitely had the hot hand last night just across the board. But I think that realistically, just to take away from me, is that Maryland is kind of ready to be this team that like is a little bit troublesome for people. I think that they're in the best position that they could be in at this point in the season, kind of headed into Michigan State, that is, and then headed into the tournament. We'll see. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is just Maryland seems to have found the pieces to the puzzle that's working for them. And, you know, that fight is still there. And they really just have continued to now close out the season in a place where they put themselves in a position to possibly finish above 500 with a winning record again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this was really a a feel-good win for Maryland, especially coming off of that win over Ohio State. It's senior night, Eric Ayala, uh, a four-year player getting, you know, honored for his, his long career at Maryland. It wasn't necessar- necessarily the largest crowd in College Park on Wednesday. Wednesday, 9 p.m. games, I wouldn't say are primetime. However, <laughs> uh, Maryland ended up getting the 11-point win, and, and a big part of that was because of their depth scoring. They had Six players score at least nine points. Hakeem Hart led the way with 19 points. Five for eight, I think Danny Manning praised him the most in the postgame for his efficiency. Uh, Eric Ayala, 15 points. Fast Russell, 16 points. Bruce Wahab and Julian Reese both combined for 22 points despite playing just 32 minutes on the floor. And Dante Scott with nine points. And then Xavier Green rounded out the scoring with three. So it was a pretty well-rounded night. For Maryland, which isn't typically what they get often, Maryland is usually a team that, you know, has three players scoring in double figures. Maybe one is doing a lot more than the others, but it was really a lot of depth scoring for Maryland. But you're right, Lauren, the story of the game was Jameson Battle. I mean, he was just absolutely brilliant, and it completely reminded me of Jordan Bohannon's performance when Iowa put up 110 points, which we mentioned earlier in this podcast. Battle went 14 for 31, seven for 16 from three, and he finished with a game a, a game high easily easily game high 39 points. Peyton Willis was the next best golden gopher with 21, so they combined for 60 of Minnesota's 73 points. So uh, you talk about depth scoring, and maryland's had some trouble with that this year. Just take a look at Minnesota's box score, and you might see a, a few more issues. Uh, so you know who did it better. Did Jordan Bohannon have a better performance when Iowa put up one ten, or Jamison Battle putting up thirty nine uh, last night?
1: Yeah, I mean it's tricky because Iowa won, but Minnesota didn't. But I think that Jameson Battle was really—it it had the exact same feeling from when we were sitting there watching Iowa. I mean, he could not miss; it was pretty unbelievable. And I think that—I mean, yeah, I mean, look at how many shots he took. I mean, imagine if he had sank even more of those he had so many opportunities and so I think that realistically you know I really I think that Jordan Bohannon's performance definitely lifted Iowa over Maryland but Jamison Battle did not stop fighting those 39 points did not all come early on in that game they were completely spread out and I think that something that's really interesting about this Minnesota team is like it's a completely I mean if you thought Maryland had new faces Minnesota for sure does and so I think, like, watching the way that, like, he has kind of, you know, come into it all. And, you know, he just had a really fantastic performance. And I think that there's a lot to be said about where his, you know, or lack his ceiling or lack thereof as a player. He definitely shined last night.
0: Yeah, he did more than shine. I mean, 39 points is just absolutely ridiculous. But for argument's sake, I'm going to say Jordan Bohannon had the better game. 10 for 16 from three. I mean, come on, he was hitting just some ridiculous shots. I remember he hit some, some shot before the end of the first half, and he was just staring down the entire crowd. It was just one of those nights. And apparently the Maryland crowd antagonizes a lot of stars on other teams because this is just a very common occurrence where opposing star players and opposing marksman shooters are just raining down on Maryland's basket ceaselessly. And But Jordan Bohannon, I think all of his attempts were from three in that game, and he hit 10 of them, and he tied some Big Ten record. But, I mean, both performances are just otherworldly, and I don't know what it is about at Xfinity Center, but it's too common of an occurrence for it to be random. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in the second half of this one, Maryland, it was a back-and-forth game. The score ended 11 points in Maryland's favor, but that's really not what this game felt like in the final eight minutes or so. The game was really back and forth and Minnesota started to creep back in. And then the game was, I think battle hit a three and then it was 70 to 68. And then Eric Ayala came back and he had a wide open look. And there have been times where this Maryland team has not been able to hit wide open looks. I don't know, something daunting about the, the wide open look but Eric Isle and Stephen Knight stepped up, hit the three, and that's what sparked Maryland's like, two-minute run towards the end of the game, and Hakeem Hart hit another three. What is it about Maryland that they're able to close out games all of a sudden?
1: I think it's what we were talking about before. They didn't so many times this season, and I think you get sick of that. I mean, I think that they're – I mean, for lack of a better word, I think that they're sick of being a team that's so close. And so, you know, I think that's part of why they've been coming out a little bit stronger than it seems like they were at the beginning of the season. Those slow starts used to get them a lot. They weren't – there was that stretch where they hadn't had a lead at – they never had a lead at halftime until, like, I really want to say, like, maybe Florida, they were tied at halftime, and that was, like, the first time that they weren't down. So I think, like, to kind of look at all that and then – Maryland, I think, is just kind of sick of it. I think they're sick of games coming down to the wire and not being able to close them out. And when everybody's playing well and you have a player like Eric Ayala who knows what it's like to be a winner and, you know, have a team that is winning games and producing the way that I think they all hope to be producing, like, kind of like better late than never, I think, in their book. And so, especially going into this stretch, they're going to start playing a lot of teams they've seen before. And Maryland was doing – has a pretty good track record against teams that they've seen a second time this season. So I think it's not like these games are practiced for the Big Ten tournament, but those games are going to be tight. So I think just like getting into habit now, trying to figure that out, is a lot better than getting to Indianapolis and getting eliminated because you lose by one point. And I, I just think that that's their mindset. That's what it feels like at least. And I just – that's how I feel because when – I really think when Eric Ayala was talking about yesterday looking at the schedule from the season and seeing all those close games – it's got to be tough to look at and try and like really wrap your head around, especially maybe during the games, Maryland was down by a lot more and then ended up bringing it close at the end. But I think now they've just put themselves in a position where they've been coming out strong that they don't want to give it away there.
0: I just quickly calculated a stat and it's seven of Maryland's 15 losses have been by six points or less. So Mm -hmm. a lot of these games have been really close and they're all going to come down to a couple possessions especially in the Big Ten tournament, especially in just about every college basketball tournament. because obviously it is March. So there's going to be some crazy things to happen if Maryland keeps these games close. A three-pointer here, a big bucket there. You never know what can happen. Just to round out that Minnesota game, Caduce Wahab and Julian Reese had good performances. Wahab went five for eight. Reese went six for eight. They combined for 32 minutes on the floor. Minnesota was missing its starting center. So... Danny Manning opted to go to a more small ball lineup and Maryland did a lot of damage in the paint, outscoring the golden Gophers 46 to 16. I don't think that there was ever a, a bigger margin of points in the paint than that all year. And Maryland just did a, a, a phenomenal job inside against them. So I think we could start to look ahead and there's not much ahead. I'll tell you that there's only one road game left against Michigan State, which will be on Sunday at 4.30 p.m. It'll be on CBS. So the focus for Maryland now is to try to get that 10th seed, to try to get that first round by in the Big Ten tournament because one game less to play is one less chance of getting knocked out. So for Maryland, that first round by could just mean everything. And it's, going to be a bad, it's likely just going to be a battle between Maryland and Penn State. but before to, before that seeding is decided, Maryland's going to have to play against Michigan State. And if they win, that's an automatic ticket to that first round bye. So what's the, the – Maryland winners of – a winner of four out of its last five. What should its confidence level going into Michigan State be like? Especially because earlier in the season, Michigan State played a little spoiler on Maryland's home court and won by two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I – I think that there's got to be a lot of confidence right now, but not only confidence and scrappiness, like those are the two words that I would use to describe. I think that that loss was definitely had to be one of the tougher ones for Maryland this season. That was their first chance to pull off kind of a big upset before, um, you know, before they played Purdue, before they played um, Ohio State, whatever the case may be. And they are playing well right now. And I think that, if they are playing this well against Michigan State, they can definitely put up a fight and just definitely put themselves in a position where they're kind of in control of their own fate here when it comes to missing that first game in the Big Ten tournament. Um, they don't want to play that first game. They do not want to be in the that bottom four. It's very clear. They're, I think in their mind, they're ready to pull off a couple upsets in that tournament. It's a lot harder to do that with five games in five days than Four and four, whatever the case may be. So I think that their confidence level is probably high and should be high. But I don't think I think that they still have kind of that maybe more underdog esque scrappy mentality where you know it's not they know it's not going to be easy. Michigan State is a hard environment to play in, and Michigan State is a solid team. But I think that you know I think Michigan State plays in another game before they play Maryland, if I'm not um, mistaken. But I think that coming off Michigan State had the big loss. So I think that they're going to be coming back with a lot of fight when they play Ohio State. But then, you know, so Maryland has a little bit of a buffer between that Michigan game and them. But I think that they're going to come out with a lot of fight, a lot of scrappiness. And if they play the way they've been playing, then I I think that they might be able to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that this is actually a a realistic game for Maryland to win. And I typically don't say that about many road games, but I don't think there's a streakier team in the Big Ten than I think it's Rutgers and Michigan State. Because if you just look at the last five games alone for Michigan State, a four-point loss on the road to Penn State, a five-point loss at home to Illinois, they lose by 26 on the road to Iowa, and then they come back at home and beat Purdue by three. And then they follow that up by a 17-point road loss to Michigan. So it's just a really wide-ranging a bunch of scoreboards in the last five games for. Michigan State and I think that this is a game that Maryland can certainly take advantage of but however there needs to be some uh, pessimism there because the last time Maryland had a, a you know a good game script with their opponent coming in was Indiana when Indiana was slumping on like a five game or something losing streak and they hadn't won since playing Maryland and Maryland failed to take advantage of that so who knows if that could happen again But just the fact that Michigan State is fairly streaky, I think that gives Maryland already a solid chance out of the gate. And then so if Maryland, let's say Maryland loses that game, for Maryland to go get that first round by, it will need Penn State to drop its two remaining road games so that both conference records are even, and that the tiebreaker for a head-to-head matchup of Maryland and Penn State goes in Maryland's favor. So Penn State... Two games left, they're just 1-8 and eight on the road, which makes it a really realistic shot. They play Illinois and Rutgers, and it's, it is going to be important for, that, for this Maryland team to get that first round by, I think, because just any game that they can just advance around, obviously you're going to want that. And, you know, just closing out this conversation, only one game left in the regular season. Obviously, everyone's eyes are on the Big Ten tournament. What are some of the teams that you think Maryland matches up against well like in, in, in the second round of the Big Ten tournament? So they're probably going to play lower seeds like, like a Rutgers or like an Indiana if they do get that 10 seed. Is there a team that you think that Maryland just matches up really well against?
1: I would love for Maryland to play Rutgers again. There's something about the fact that they should have won that first game. I mean, they were up 11 points at halftime and couldn't figure it out, and Ron Harper Jr. is an incredibly talented player and just completely had a fantastic second half there. And then the second time, they win in Piscataway, which really hasn't been done this season by a Big Ten team. Miraculously, it's Maryland. And I just think on a neutral site, I'd be really interested to see Rutgers and Maryland play again. And I think that Ron Harper Jr. is a really tough test, and they've got some other weapons on that team. but I'd be interested to see on this defensive kick how Maryland kind of matches up with him and if they can try and figure it out. But I think, you know, finding a way to beat you know, splitting the season series with um, Rutgers, it just would make for a really interesting game. Indiana's tougher. That Indiana team I don't feel as – that they match as well with. They have um, Reese Thompson and Trace Jackson-David. Just the whole situation on Indiana doesn't feel – as like maybe that game could be as I feel like the Rutgers Maryland game could be a little bit more of a toss up. And I think that Maryland would go into that game with a certain kind of want and a very strong knowing of how their last two games against them went. And so I think that one would be really interesting.
0: Yeah. I think if Maryland plays an opponent that doesn't have a dominant big and Maryland can play more of its style of more backcourt scoring That just gives them a whole new realm of opportunity, and I think that a ticket out of the Big Ten tournament would be a matchup against Indiana. I think a a possible punch to the quarterfinal would be a matchup against Rutgers. I'm right on board with you. I think a streaky Rutgers team, a team that Maryland, just on paper, can match up with. Ron Harper Jr. is obviously someone that is going to need to be man-guarded by likely Hakeem Hart for the entire game, but... I think that just on paper, Maryland and Rutgers, that's, I don't think it gets any more 50-50 in the Big Ten than that. So I think we can go right into our score predictions for Maryland's final regular season game of the 2021-2022 season. So I, I guess I'll go first because I know you like to think of it sometimes. So I'm, I'm going to say the first one was low scoring, and, but however, Maryland's offense has been playing a little better recently. And like I said, Fats Russell, the leash is very long for him. I think we're going to be seeing another like 18-plus shot performance for him if he wants to will Maryland to a win. I think Eric Ayala and Fats Russell combined for over 40 points, I would say. However, I still think Michigan State gets a close road win. I will say 71-66. to 66.
1: I'm one point below, one point above, but I think that – I don't know. I'll, I'll just say the opposite. I'll think that – I think Maryland can do it. There's something about it that feels in reach, like slightly in reach, and they are playing with – now it's not so much that they're playing with nothing to lose. They kind of do have something to lose, and it seems like they've been playing better with that sense of urgency, and they, they love the urgency. It seems like they're thriving on it. I think it's going to be close. I think Maryland might edge it out a little bit. Um, may not come down. May I don't think they're going to be ahead the entire game and win, but I do think that Maryland will come out 70 to 65.
0: All right. So split decision on the predictions. That's totally acceptable. So I think that'll do it for the Testudo Times podcast for this week. And we will get back to you next week after Maryland's reg, final regular season game. And we will have the, Uh, we will, uh, I guess we're, we don't even know when our next podcast is going to be because we're going to be in Indianapolis. So we're going to have to figure that out when we're there, but that's a problem for all of us next week. We will get back to you nevertheless in the meantime soon next week. So thank you so much for listening and we'll get back to you next week. Thanks so much.